have questions? Do you need answers? The Pastor Study will help you find those answers through God's Word. Our teacher today is Pastor Tom Brock. The Pastor Study is sponsored by pastorstudy.org. So grab your Bible and join us for The Pastor Study. Welcome to the Pastor Study. We're having a series on parables. We're picking a different parable every week. And today we're doing the parable of the ten virgins. And when I told, when I told Jackie on our show that we were going to do that, she said, do you think there are ten virgins left? <laughs> well, we're going to see. Yes, there are. And so what I want to tell you is the story of the ten virgins. First, let me tell you what a wedding was like back in Jesus' day. An ancient Jewish wedding went like this. The groom would come with some friends out of his house down the street toward the bride's house. When they got to the bride's house, they'd knock on the door, and the ten virgins, the, the uh, bridesmaids, would open the door. Everybody would rejoice. Then they would all go back to the groom's house for the big uh, wedding festival. Well, Jesus tells this story, and he says that when the bridegroom knocks, only five of the virgins, the, bride, the bridesmaids, were ready, so only five got to go into the party. And the point of this is going to be Jesus is the groom, we're the bride. Jesus is coming back at the second coming for the bride, the church. Only those who are ready will get into the party. The others will be shut out. So let's get into this parable. Could you take out your Bible, turn with me, to Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the ten virgins, ten bridesmaids, and let's, let's pray first. Father, we want to pray that everyone listening to this program, if they're not ready now, that they will become ready for the second coming of Christ, because it could happen tonight. Lord, we ask you to open this parable to our ears and hearts, open my mouth, and Lord, speak to us through this ancient parable. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 25, starting at verse 1. Jesus said, Then the kingdom of heaven will be compared to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Here's the first lesson I want you to get from this parable. Virgins exist. There were virgins in this story. Now, if you watch television especially MTV, which is from hell, you get the impression nobody's a virgin anymore. Everybody's having sex outside of marriage. No, no, don't believe Hollywood. There are still lots of virgins in this world. And there's also a phenomenon called born-again virgins. These are people that have had sex before they were married, but they know that was wrong. Lord, please forgive me for doing that. And from now on, I'm waiting till I'm married to have sex. And they call themselves born-again virgins. I think that's great. But uh, the point is, uh, MTV is lying to you. Not everybody has sex outside of marriage. Look at verse 2. Of these ten virgins, five of them were foolish and five were wise. And here's the next lesson. Being a virgin won't save you. 
Five of these virgins are going to be damned by the end of the story. Just because you're a virgin doesn't mean you're going to heaven. And this is the very popular misconception. People think as long as you're good, as long as you're pure, you're a loving person, you're virginal, as long as you're a good person, you're going to heaven. No, no, no. Five of these virgins who were truly virgins still go to hell. Because you can be a virgin and still be a pagan. I think the most fascinating city for sightseeing on the planet is Rome. And if you walk through the Roman ruins, there's a little ruin of the Temple of the Vestal Virgins. It's still there. And what the Romans would do is they would choose 12 girls at age 5. And they would go and be the Vestal Virgins in the temple until they were 40 years old. Their job was to keep the fire lit inside the temple. It could never go out. And if it turned out that one of these young women had sex with someone, they'd be buried alive. And it all happened twice in Roman history. The point is, these were virgins, but they were pagans. They were worshiping all kinds of false gods. My point is, you can be a virgin and still go to hell. And, and why is that? Because you're not a virgin in every area of your life. You may be a virgin when it comes to sex, but you might have a sharp tongue, or you're greedy and you never give your money to missions, or you've got uh, just a, a bitterness problem, whatever. Nobody is a virgin in every area of their life, which is why we all need Jesus. Let's look at verse 3. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise virgins took oil in their flasks along with their lamps. Now while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. Now, while the bridegroom was delaying, they got, they got drowsy and went to sleep. But at midnight, there was a shout, Behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, No, there will not be enough for us and for you too. Go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. Here's the next lesson. You cannot borrow someone else's faith. You yourself have to have a living, true faith in Christ for you to be saved. In other words, your parents can't believe for you. I mean, oh, but my, my parents, my grandparents, they were such wonderful Christians. Great, but big deal. That has nothing to do with you. There's an old saying, God has no grandchildren. In other words, your parents can't believe for you. You yourself have to have living faith in Christ to be saved. Verse 10, And while they were going away, the foolish virgins, to make the purchase, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast, and the door was shut. Here's the big lesson of this parable. Being ready will save you. Only five of the virgins got saved because only five were ready for Jesus when he returns. So let me tell you this. I talked to someone a while ago who went through a heart attack. It was so touch and go, he shouldn't be here. I mean, they really thought he was going to die. Well, he's still here. And I said to him, what's the main thing the Lord taught you through all this? And he said, be ready. If you go to Rome, there is a fascinating chapel called the Capuchin Crypt. Capuchins were these ancient monks in the church. And you walk into the basement of this church, and here's this capuchin crypt, beautifully decorated. But if you look close, those aren't beautiful flowers. Those are human vertebrae. 
And you look over here, and, and that's, not a, that's, that's not a floral scene. Those are human skulls. And what the monks would do, they would take the skeletons of the dead monks and use them to decorate the chapel. And it looks beautiful, but you look careful, and ooh. And I'm standing there looking at all this, and a tour guide comes through explaining this to the teenagers. And, and it's, I didn't know what, I don't know Latin, but over the door, she explained what the Latin says as you go into the crypt. It says, now me later you. The point of the Capuchin Crypt is we're all going to be dead someday. Are you ready for that? I mean, I remember walking through a graveyard in Florida and I read a tombstone that said this, as you are now, I once was. As I am now, you are soon to be. Then it said, be ready for death. And the reason five of these versions got into the party is because only five were ready. You know, I, somebody said to me a while ago, all these tsunamis and earthquakes and tornadoes and hurricanes, I, I got to say, in my lifetime, I don't remember having so much of this stuff within about a two-year period. Somebody said, are we in the end times? Is Jesus about to come back? And I said, who knows? But I think God uses all kinds of things to try to get us ready, to wake us up. Only those who are ready for Christ at his return will be saved. Look at verse 11. Later the other virgins, the unwise, came saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly I say to you, I do not know you. Here's the next lesson. Beware of putting Jesus off until later. I think the dumbest words are, I'll become a Christian later. I mean, I remember once I was sharing the gospel with this teenage girl, and she said, well, look, I know my parents are Christians. I know what you're saying is true, and I'll become a Christian later. But first, I want to have fun. <laughs> and I said to her, you made two big mistakes. Number one, you assume that Jesus isn't fun and that drugs and alcohol and sex are. No, they'll bite you in the end. And I said, the second mistake you're making is you don't know you're going to live to be 40, 50, 60. You could die now. You know, I used to have a theory that if you knew you were dying, you would turn to God. I don't believe that anymore. I mean, I can remember early as a pastor going to visit an old man who was dying of lung cancer in the hospital. He knew he was dying. So I shared the gospel with him. You know, we're sinners. You need to believe Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead. Would you like to accept Christ? And he said, no. And I'm thinking, what have you got to lose? You're going to be dead in about a month. And, and, and I said, well, you know, why not? And he said, I've had no use for God up to this point in my life. Wouldn't be right for me to turn to him now. And I'm thinking, who cares if you think it's fair or right? Do it. And I could not convince him. And that's the problem. If you put Jesus off, your heart can get so hard that you can't repent. I mean, I, I, I'll never forget this. A woman, a woman calls me and says, Pastor Brock, my atheist husband is dying. Would you please come talk to him? So I drove over to Robbinsdale there, and here he was in his living room on a, on a bed, and he was dying. 
And so I, well, Mr. So-and-so, it sounds like you're not going to be here much longer. Can I just explain the Christian faith that we're all sinners, but God loves us so much. God became a human, lived the perfect life we couldn't. His name was Jesus. He died on the cross to pay for our sins so God could forgive us, rose from the dead. And if you believe in him, you'll be saved. If you believe in him, God will forgive all your sins. Are you sorry for your sins? Would you like to accept Christ? And he looked at me with anger and he said, no. And then I will never forget this. His wife got on her knees next to the bed and she begged her husband to receive Christ. And he looked at her and he said, no. And I left that house. It was spooky. And he died a few days later. Listen, you put Jesus off. You don't know that you're going to have a last moment like that. And if you do, your heart could be so hard, you can't turn to Christ. So again, the, the, the point of this parable is be ready now. Don't put Christ off. Let's look at verse 13. This is the last lesson of this parable. Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. Here's the last lesson. Always be ready because you don't know. There is a crazy, I don't know if you've been following this, there are, is a crazy group that's been putting up billboards saying that the second coming is going to happen on May 21st. And this pastor has figured it out mathematically from looking at Daniel and Isaiah. And I'm thinking, huh? Jesus himself said in this verse and elsewhere, no one knows the day or the hour of my return. So be aware of preachers that they can tell you we're in the end times because they've calculated Matthew or <laughs> no, just shove that aside. The point of this parable is nobody knows the day or hour. That's why you always have to be ready. Don't put this off. There's a story of a mother that was having the women over for bridge. And the, the women are playing bridge and talking. One of the women starts talking about the second coming of Christ, that it could be very soon, and they talk. And a little later, uh, mom is is trying to find her little girl. She's looking all over the house. She can't find her little girl. And she's getting panicky. And finally, she goes all the way up to the attic. And here's her little girl sitting in front of the attic window in a white dress. And the mother said, I've been looking all over for you. What are you doing? And the little girl said, I heard you say Jesus is coming soon. And so I'm ready. I want to be ready for him. I want to be the first person to spot him. <laughs> That's a picture of how we Christians should be living, that whether it's at my, our, our death or whether it's at the second coming, we're always ready, seeking the Lord, hoping it's today. But we're ready. And let me just close by one last thing. <laughs> you know, this is, years ago, I was being tempted to leave the Christian ministry and go live a life of sin. I was being tempted. And then I had this dream. This is the scariest dream I've ever had. And here's the dream. I dreamed I died and I went to heaven. And the, the gates swung open. And when the gates swung open, beautiful music poured out. And then this crowds of thousands of people dressed in white came to the gate to greet me. And in the front row was my dad and my brother. And I started crying in this dream. But then it occurred to me in the dream, I rejected Jesus before I died, so I wasn't going to get inside that gate. And I started to wail and to weep. And suddenly, 
my jaw snapped shut and I heard a loud roaring noise in my ear and it was the gnashing of my teeth. And I woke up and I don't know, maybe for a second or two, I could still hear that ringing in my ears and I thought to myself, maybe I won't leave Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, I think God gives all of us warnings in life and, and here's the point. When Jesus returns or when you die, it's over for eternity. You need to be ready when he returns. That's the whole point of the five foolish virgins, the five wise virgins. So last question for you is, are you ready? And the way you're ready is you're sorry for your sins, you're turning to Jesus, you're trusting in him, you're trusting him alone to save you, not your own goodness. But then be ready, go to church, read your Bible, uh, be in some kind of Christian service. We're saved only by grace, not by works, but, but the works are evidence that you've been saved by grace. So be ready. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, I was just recently out of town and driving home and saw about three of those signs you mentioned. And actually, I was going to ask you about those signs. Yeah. What group is responsible? It's called the Radio Bible Class. And they're, uh, you know, and, you know, they're not only off on, they can tell you when Judgment Day is going to hit on May 21st. By the time this will air, um, either the world will have ended, Jackie, or th that group will be wrong. <laughs> but, uh, they're, and you know what, the guys not only can tell you when the Second Coming is going to happen, he also can tell you that hell is not going to last forever. Hell's only for a little while. So that's unbiblical, too. So when, you, when you're off in one area, you're normally off in a bunch of areas, and it's too bad. I was kind of surprised that the sign is so plain, though, with that statement, but no knowledge or acknowledgement of who's putting those yeah. up. If you, and it's if like, you, you know, if, if you can put I those up. I had to up. Google it. If you Google Radio Bible Class, you'll, Harold Camping is the guy. He's, an, and he's a 90-year-old preacher. Really? Yes, he is, and he should know better. You would think so. <laughs> well, since you were talking about heaven, our next set of questions that we have for you are kind of about heaven. Okay. So, first of all, what will heaven be like? And what scripture tells all us? All right. What? You would read, I suppose, Revelation 20. God will wipe all the tears away from our eyes. There'll be no sorrow in heaven. There'll be no sadness in heaven. There'll be no hospitals in heaven. There'll be no graveyards in heaven because everyone is eternal. We have our new resurrection bodies in heaven, so we'll be perfect. We won't, you know, somebody asked me, will I be tempted to sin in heaven? And the answer is no. What makes heaven heaven is I won't have to put up with my flesh anymore. I won't have to battle my sin nature anymore. So it'll, it'll be perfection. The biggest thing about heaven, though, is we'll be enjoying the presence of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's the big deal. When we are able to behold God in his fullness, we're going to worship him for eternity. You know, some people say, oh, I can't wait to have, get to heaven to see my uncle again or see my dad again. That's not going to mean, I mean, that's going to be this big. Are we going to know our loved ones? I think you will because Jesus said, you will know Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the banquet table of God. If I'm going to know who they are and I've never laid eyes on them, I think I'll know that's grandma. But you won't be married in heaven. And Jesus said you'll be like angels. We won't be angels. Some people think you become an angel. We, we don't become angels. We become like angels, says Jesus, and that we're single. So you won't be married to who you were married, but I think you will know there's my husband, you know, there's my mom. But um, uh, the, the thing about heaven is not there's my relatives. 
think about heaven, there's my Savior. That's the, that's the big deal. Is God the Father and God the Son and the Holy Spirit going to be one when we get to heaven? Well, they or? are one, one God and three persons. three persons. And if you, you know, when you go to cathedrals in Europe, a lot of them have paintings of heaven and they, they show God the Father seated they show uh, God the Son seated next to him, and then they have a picture of a dove, the symbol of the Holy Spirit. You know, what exactly we'll see? I think we'll see God the Father in some way. I think we'll see God the Son. Will we see the Holy Spirit? We don't know how this works, but it'll be so powerful and glorious, we'll worship forever. That's what heaven is, worshiping. Well, you kind of answered my next question is, do we become angels? And okay. you're saying we don't, no. right? No, and, and you know, that, this is the Sadducees who did not believe in the resurrection kind of thought they caught Jesus because they said, well, Jesus, here's a woman who's been married seven times. So when she's in heaven, which husband will be hers? Ha ha. And Jesus said, you don't know the scriptures. Uh, those who are considered worthy to attain to that age neither marry nor are given in marriage but are like the angels of heaven meaning that they're single that's why people make the mistake that we're going to become angels we're not going to become angels we're going to become like angels jesus says in that we'll be single then it's probably a mistake for like parents and things like that to say to a child oh grandma is going to go to he grandma went to heaven she's going to be your special angel yeah because i wouldn't say that, that would be You're, everybody has a special angel jesus jesus says about the children it, Jesus says, be careful how you treat children because their angels are always beholding the face of my Father in heaven. So everybody has a guardian angel. You don't need grandma. <laughs> okay. Will there be different levels of reward for people in heaven? Mm -hmm. You know, not, uh, here's the thing. If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul talks about two Christians. Both of them are building a house. They both have the foundation, which is Jesus. So they're both saved. But one builds his house with wood, hoss, straw, stubble, hay, bad stuff. The other builds with precious jewels. The fire of judgment day comes and tests each house. The one house burns up. The guy himself, it's said, Paul says, is saved, but only is through fire. And the image is that the fire of judgment day comes. The guy gets out of the house just in time, and then the, 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 the house collapses. He goes into heaven, but barely as through fire, says Paul. But person number two, Paul says, goes into heaven with reward because he built his life more on Christ. So I think uh, the, the, the teaching is they're both saved, but one is saved with greater rewards. So I do think th there will be varying rewards for believers on Judgment Day. Okay, Pastor Brock, will Judgment Day take place in heaven? Or where well, will Judgment Day? Mm, I don't I guess the way I would put it, Jesus comes down in the clouds, all the dead are raised, and then we're judged. And then the believers go to heaven. The unbelievers go to hell. So does judgment day take place in heaven? Well, I guess I, I'd lean towards saying no. It takes place maybe on earth. Of course, the earth might be burnt up by that. But, it, you know, I, maybe there's a, I don't know how to put that, Jackie, but it, it, it takes place before God. God, Jesus is the one who judges the, the universe. And will that happen in heaven or where exactly? Maybe in between or maybe in heaven. I don't know. But there's really nothing scripturally that kind of talks about that, is there? I, I, let's see. When the Son of Man comes in his glorious, then he will uh, judge. And the, the impression you get is when he comes down in the clouds, the judgment may take place on earth. Uh, but then, you know, the, the earth is burnt up at the end. So mm -hmm. some of this I don't know what to say. 
Will the people that are in hell be raised up on Judgment Day? Everybody is raised on Judgment Day. Yes, the believers and unbelievers alike, everybody is raised on Judgment Day. And you could say, well, why do people, if people are in heaven and hell, why do they need to go through Judgment Day? Well, they have not received, their spirits are in heaven or hell, but the believers in heaven don't have their perfect new bodies yet. For that, they're waiting for the last day. So I think, yeah, uh, they're in heaven and hell now, but then it'll be affirmed on Judgment Day why they're in heaven and hell. So one last question mm-hmm. about this, and we'll get off of it mm-hmm. because I, it's entered my head here. If we're at Judgment Day, will we recognize the people that are being judged? Like here's Hitler and here's Grandma, that kind or of thing. Or here's somebody that I didn't think was a good person. Right. Will I have that conscious you know, knowledge? <sighs> I don't know, Jackie. Will we all watch? I mean, Judgment Day, in, for us, from a human point of view, would take a long, long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and will we watch the whole Shamil, or will it be like this because God is eternal and he can do everything like this? All I know is Jesus said, whatever you have said in the, in the inner rooms will be shouted from the housetop, and there's nothing hidden that will not be revealed. So the Day of Judgment is everything is revealed. And some people have worried, does that mean God's going to put my sins on a, on a movie screen for the whole universe to see? Uh, if you've repented of them, no. But on the other hand, if you're an unbeliever and you've rejected Christ, Judgment Day will show the world why it's just for you not to spend eternity in heaven. That's kind of scary. People mm-hmm. should really be thinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, this is a question that's come up before, and it maybe we haven't answered it well enough, but why do bad things happen to good people? Why mm-hmm. does God let a loving husband and wife lose their child. Yeah, yeah. Um, how do you answer? Well, you know, before I answer that, let, the, Rabbi Kushner wrote a bestseller years ago called When Bad Things Happen to Good People. And I don't like the title of that book because there are no good people. A better title would be Why Bad Things Happen to Bad People. And you could say because God is a holy God and he judges sin. <laughs> and Jackie, when I'm sick or something bad happens, I really don't think... I'm such a wonderful, good person. How could God do this to me? It's more like, okay, God, what are you trying to teach me? Because I am sinful. Do you have some lesson you want me to learn through this? So I would say to ask to, the title of the book, When Bad Things Happen to Good People, he doesn't get it. There are no good people. We're all sinners. All right, but let's, your, your question here, let's say you're a, a, a mom and, and your child dies at age five. A drunk driver runs over your child. Why did God let that happen? And uh, I, I just think of 1 Corinthians 13 where Paul says, Now I know in part, then, heaven, I shall understand fully. And so I think some of this is we live in a fallen world where sinners do horrible things. Why did God allow the Jews to be killed by Hitler? Why did God allow this five-year-old to be killed by a drunk driver? We live in a very fallen, evil, sick world. But I would say this. <laughs> Who knows what, you're, what God was sparing your five-year-old daughter? I mean, she might have grown up to have a horrible, painful life. Maybe God was merciful taking her at age five. That's a thought that people don't think yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. You talk about a radio ministry. What is yeah. happening with your radio ministry? Well, everybody, let's, let's just tell people here, if, if you live in the Twin Cities, because now this program is going to go to South Dakota and Iowa, pray for that, if you would, because we've been uh, planning this expansion. Finally, we're getting it off the ground. But if you live in the Twin Cities, uh, you can tune in on... 980 on your AM dial, it's called KKMS, 980 AM every Saturday at 11, 
and Sunday at 3 p.m., and we have a two-hour live call-in show. So pray for us. Listen if you, if you have a... And also on this program, you'll hear this in the Twin Cities every Wednesday night at 6.30, Sunday night at 10.30. Thanks for being with us. We pray God will be with you this week, granting you his richest blessings until we're together again next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Pastor's Study. We ask, would you pray for our ministry as we seek to spread the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ? And would you pray about supporting this ministry? Our address is The Pastor Study, 5200 Emerson Avenue North, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55430. Our website is pastorstudy.org. And our phone number is 763-260-4484. May God richly bless you and join us next week at the same time as we study God's Word. Until then, may the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you.